This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Ears up podcast. We got a full house tonight um, because, uh, you know, I, I would say because Terrence has a show tonight, but that's not really what it is. The great Tom Amin is back with us, and he's going to be talking with us about his new Disney album, we're going to be playing some cuts from that. We're going to have a little bit of fun with Tom. And then uh, after Tom, Terrence is going to go through the history of Soren all over the dang place, I think is what it's called. All over the all over the heckin' world. Which is funny, because if I remember correctly, Terrence does not like Soren. Terrence, is oh, that true? Yeah, you remember coming. I, I don't like it very much. He, uh, he, <laughs> echoing a lot. Oh. Ter- Terrence's MO is that he likes to do histories on attractions that he doesn't like uh. i think he's trying to turn his his uh his thought process around when he does these okay a little uh stockholm syndrome <laughs> yeah. or something like that something like that yeah now i love soren mm-hmm. because i know the history of the ride yeah okay terrence is that true That's yes fine. okay so i don't love soren still i right. think it's decent but it won't be a walk around anymore it's interesting because I, whenever I do like a segment or anything, I only want to do things I like. I like I don't want to do something I hate. Same, same. It just annoys me. Yeah, but I, mean, <laughs> I, I think we're at the point in the show's lifespan where that's all there is left. It's just stuff we <laughs> I don't mean, like. Look, Turtle Talk with Crush was luff. Uh, Turtle Talk with Crush was rough, not luff. It was luff. <laughs> <laughs> So what I would say, uh, Jeremy, I understand what you're saying. For me, don't like doing it just on rides that I like, uh, because I tend to really dig into the things that I like about the ride. I like doing it on rides that I don't really like that much. Like, I really want to do the history of Splash Mountain, because I'm not a big Splash Mountain fan. But I think that it would be neat to look at how they transformed all of the um, animatronics from uh, from uh blah 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 american sings over to be in that one and then made half of them not work five years later i'd really like to look into that yeah i'm sure you'll go you get really far in that anyway before we get to tom uh welcome back tom thank you for for slumming it with us one more time by the way oh thanks for having me guys it's a pleasure to be here uh we are on facebook twitter instagram uh, you can uh, watch us necro post over on Pinterest if you want to go back in time over there. Uh, if you have feedback for the show, that goes to Taryn at earsup-podcast.com. Show suggestions uh, to Terrence at earsup-podcast.com. You can say hi. Hi. To Bev, who is currently recovering from her relief pitching uh, debut last night for the Oakland A's. I'm a lefty. <laughs> 
She has a giant heating pad on her neck or her <laughs> arm or whatever. Uh, anything else? Me, Jason, ears up, hyphenpodcast.com. If you guys are planning to go back to the parks anytime soon, your best bet to do that in, in a concise manner is Concierge. You go to concierge.com, buy your tickets through Concierge, allow them to help plan your vacation. It costs nothing. All of the services they offer cost you nothing. You just pay what the parks would charge you for the tickets. But you get so much more. You get help booking uh, your resis. You get help booking dinner resis. You get help with Genie Plus and Lightning Lane and Lightning Lane Plus, if that's a thing. If that's a thing, they're going to know about it. I don't really know. Maybe I just made that up. Who can really tell? But go to concierge.com right now. And also, if you're going to Universal, if you want to go down and do the L.A. thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Disneyland for three days, but I want to pop over to Universal or whatever, you can do all of that through Concierge, too. And if you want to sort of motor around uh, L.A. for a day, Concierge will help you do that, too. So they do much more than just Disney trips. But uh, check it out, Concierge.com. That's what's going on. If you want to support the show, go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash Coveyers. And you can get our brand new tie-dye churro shirts. I'm gonna put some um, some tall some tall boy sizes up. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a thing, I suppose. With this new company now, I've I've tra- I'm, I'm transferring slowly but surely transferring some of these shirts over to the new company because they're a little faster shipping. Mm, cool. And uh, the shirts, I think, are a little bit better. But I had a, a listener reach out and he said, "Hey, do you have an, like I'm a tall dude? Do you have any like longer shirts?" And I go, "Actually." Yes, I think I do. Nice. <laughs> so I sent him some. He goes, "It's perfect. This cool. is you're great." So uh, you know, those will be up here. You know, in but do you have crop tops? Because that is all the rage. Crop like a tube top. <laughs> I'm like requesting crop- a two X and a crop top. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that, isn't that just a small spirit jersey? Crop tops are like short shirts. <laughs> okay. Like, they're belly shirts. They're belly shirts where your belly hangs out. They're, I don't know. They're horrible, but they're it's literally the only kinds of shirts you can find as a female right now. Really? Truth. Yes. Yes. Oh and I've actually bought some and then right. I, I just stare at them in my closet. I'm like, I'm literally never going to wear that. <laughs> okay. All right. Finally, everything's coming up. Uh, weird. No, um, stomach coming up cropped. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's a bad fashion moment for, for women. And they're bringing low rise jeans back. I know. And the combination Man, is love just. It. Perfect. Well, of course you love it. It's early it's- 90s Britney Spears. I love it. Yes. So, Taryn and uh, Beverly, can you answer this? Uh, the low rise for women with the boxers showing. Is that a thing again? Because I saw that today. You saw? <laughs> no, I uh-huh. did not know that that was with, a thing. With a crop top. It was like, a, it was like it looked, the top half looked like she just came out of the gym. The bottom half looked like she was Gwen Stefani circa 1993. Oh, I oh, love this. You have a flannel on over top? That's usually <laughs> like a thing. Wow. That's that's a whole other level of 90s. Yeah, that's definitely 90s uh, you know, R&B music video. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. did she have a condom over one eye? Yeah, TLC, so exactly. So creep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Taryn, I hate to disappoint you, but no. Oh, wow. No crop tops. Disappointing. Yeah, I'm Thank sorry God. about that. I would have done that for sure because they're all if they were especially all over print. Can you imagine just like uh, like Terrence's top half of his face on a crop top? (laughs) That'd be funny. Oh wow! I bet people would buy a shirt with just Terrence's face on it. Think so? I would buy it all out. It'd be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the beauty about print on demand garments, Terrence. Never run out. (laughs) So there you go, man. Keep buying them. Anyway, the best way to support the show is Patreon.com/slash EarsUp. 
right after this show, we're going to be doing the secret show, which you only get over on Patreon. So if you're a Patreon member, five bucks and up, you get access to the secret show. I'm still working on another Pyramid the Eye of the Ears, which, by the way, I put the shirt up, I think, again on um, Etsy. You can buy that now if you want to. I don't know, whatever. Um, the, it's taken a lot longer than I thought. Don't you uh, have like 25 pages right now or something? I, I have actually, yeah, I think I have 23, as a matter of fact, Jeez. about um, wow. it's it, going wow. in-depth, an in-depth discussion. Sorry, Jeremy, to steal the, uh, <laughs> the in-depth moniker, but an in-depth, uh, detailed look on uh, Walt and his uh, the accusations that he was a Nazi sympathizer in the 40s. That's a big topic. In the 30s and 40s. I know. You, it's hard, man. I'm because, surprised you're tackling it. Well, a, you know, that's part of the the vibe of that show. And by the way, the yeah. show is, is no extra on Patreon. Whenever I do it, everybody gets it, you know, for, for included the cost of being a Patreon supporter. But it's hard because you have to sort of set up. There's so much background. There's so much context about Hollywood in the 30s, how they were dealing with Nazi Germany mm-hmm. and that transition, and then how Walt fit into that. And it's just like, because people like to cherry pick stuff. And they go, well, Walt said this, or Walt did this. Yeah, but it doesn't, yeah. But without so, context. Right, and it's hard. It's like real journalism for oh, once. Geez. Again, sorry, oh, wow. Jeremy. But yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen that from you. No. <laughs> wow, Jeremy's fired. All right, welcome, Tom. Welcome back, my friend. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. You know, I'm a big fan of the show. I listen probably almost every week. Oh, man. So I'm so excited to talk to you guys again. Awesome. Yeah, you were just on uh, Bantha Milk Boys podcast, right? Yes. You did that? Yes, I was. How was that? Nick and Rob, it was excellent. It was really, it's always fun to talk to them because Nick's a musician as well. So he like really knows how to explain things and gets into the like logistics of the music a lot. And it's really fun. But I had a great time with them. We had a, we had a good show. Awesome. That's a lot good. of fun. Yeah. I mean, they're teachers and they're both into music yeah. or whatever. So it's like, I can imagine they can really break it down a lot better than I can going. Yeah. The, <laughs> you know, snapping on the one and the three is what you, you do. What that, you do. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you do. Snapping on the one and the no. three. <laughs> Just don't that's, acknowledge it. <laughs> I got my rhythm. <laughs> anyway it's like it's two and four people like that's what you want to tell people who clap it's two and four you never <laughs> clap with one and three yeah. <laughs> so why but what are you gonna do why is that because it's the downbeat it's the downbeat and when you're clapping on one and three it's more it makes it more cement it's more like how do i what's the word i'm looking for it's syncopated. more like syncopated yeah or two if and you're, four if you're is, clapping on the one and the three then you need to be like one two three four, like you need to be one. clapping on every beat but on, in most pop music that's 4 4 timing, the drums are kicking in on the second and fourth beat. Exactly. The snare. One, two, three, four. Like it just makes more sense. <laughs> but a lot of times when you're in big crowds, I don't know what happens, but people just tend to gravitate towards clapping on the first and third beat of a measure. Oh, I and know it's... what happens. <laughs> it's called white. <laughs> yeah, it's white. It's white clapping, right? Exactly. That's kind of it, actually. Wow. Well, there you go. But anyway, it just it's one of those musical things. It. What are you going to do? You know, I thought you were going to end it with claw, at least. So that it was uh, <laughs> yeah. some sort of booze. It's, it's yeah. simply just white. Being, yeah. Well, you know what? And I, yeah, I don't. Girl ain't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm not really very musical. So I'll just be like, yeah, I'll, you know, you sort of, I don't know. You get, you get your own mm-hmm. beat and your own pattern in your head. 
And then it's just like you look around and suddenly everyone's looking at you you're like, I'm doing it wrong. Okay. <laughs> Let's try to adjust. You sort of float it off into the two and four. I saw a video and uh, was it on YouTube? I can't remember, but it was a pianist that was performing in front of an audience and they were clapping along with him in one and three. And he was able to finagle. He added like an extra beat to one of his measures and then <laughs> continue with the song. So then it ended up, they were clapping on two and four. It was really cool. <laughs> I just I can't remember the video who it was, but it was really neat. Oh, I've man. never seen anyone do that. That's awesome. That reeks of Yanni. <laughs> it, it was not Yanni. I, I it was not him. <laughs> anyway, reeks. it's the best the good thing is though, as long as people are clapping to your music, I guess that's right? what you really want, right? Yeah. That's it's like, most important. It's that's like true. saying, Oh, you're 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 cheering at too high of a of a pitch. Can you please right. cheer for me lower? <laughs> I mean, that's maybe that's true. not it at all. Um, does, no. does it throw off the musicians, do you think, a little bit too? I, yeah, it kind of does because you're not really into that kind of groove. Okay. You're mainly, you're, you're trying to make the beats two and four. And when you're hearing the one and three so loud and so mm-hmm. constant, it can be a little distracting, I think. It really is. It makes you feel like the people are not with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think that's why, you know, sometimes musicians, like singers specifically, when they don't have anything, if there's like a breakdown or, or whatever, they don't have anything to sing, they'll go up and they'll clap. You know, they'll do the big arm over the yeah. top to like get the crowd <laughs> yeah. going. And I wonder if it's more of like, these do these are these guys are not in sync. Let's put them back. Let's put them back <laughs> yeah, in sync. It's just putting exactly. everything back. 100%. Rather than to wind up the crowd, right? And I'd still rather do have someone do the big over their head clap than somebody to do the air guitar uh, during the breakdown like that. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, like a worst. like a someone in the audience. Do the air guitar yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Well, look, I can't go to concerts now. I guess <laughs> we'll train you, Jason. We'll train you on how to do it. I think we'll I might need you. some training up, Tom. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's okay. talk a little we'll, bit. About, we'll take care of it. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your new album, "The Softer Side of Magic." Yes, Ooh, I already like it. Yes. What? Uh, well, I when, do, when did this I come? Kind out? Of, I wanted to do a follow up to last year. I did "Magical Meditations," which was really slow, like really, like relaxation, which I wanted. That's what I wanted. I wanted an album that you could just put on and go to sleep or study or whatever. I wanted to kind of continue that but do it a little bit with regular piano sounds and there's little crescendos. There's more crescendos on this album, but it's still basically along the same lines of it's a, it's a nice album to put on when you're having dinner or relaxing, or if you want to take a nap and put on your headphones and listen to the music and chill out, it, it's, it's made for that. And there were songs that I wanted to try doing in this vein that I had not done yet. So that was another reason to do it. Okay. Um, and I really like how it turned out. I really like this one. I think it's good. I think the flow is pretty good. Um, and I've been getting some positive feedback. So I, I, that's a good thing for me. So <laughs> yeah, it's always good when people like it. You know? Absolutely. I was poking around a little bit, uh, listening to the clips on your website. I do like it. It's very good. It's very cool. soft, but it's not too, it's not too soft. If that makes right. sense, there's still a little right. edge, I guess, or there's still a little, I don't know, vibrancy. And man, then this, see, this is where I need to get Nick back on the line. Nick, explain to me how to, how to talk to other musicians about <laughs> the thing that they made. Yeah, there's Christian. There's there's more breathing in the piano uh, in compared to the one I did last year. So definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Okay. It's, I, yeah. Uh, well, I would love to play some clips from it. And I would nice. also love to do is I think what we did last time is see if we can guess the song. Okay. 
And uh, we're going to start with an easy one. I think it's an easy one. I don't know. Maybe okay. it is. Maybe it is. But here we go. See if you guys can guess okay. this song. Here we go. Star oh, Wars theme. There you go. Yeah. Terrence got it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Taryn. The Star Wars theme <laughs> by John Williams. <laughs> It's so soft and like angelic, you know, and that and that's a very um, upbeat song, I guess. I mean, when I think of it, I always get energized because maybe it's what it's tied to. Um, But to take it and slow it down, but still give it some power. That's really that's good. Thank you. That's what I wanted to do, because like, as we all know, when you first hear that theme, it's so majestic and so loud and so wonderful. It's the opening. It announces Star Wars. I mean, that's just what it does. So to yeah. slow it down and make it more lullaby-ish, because yes. the theme works that way, I thought. You know, John Williams is so good. His themes are so wonderful. You can all you can try to, you know, experiment with them and do different things, but to slow it down like that, I thought was really cool. Yeah. And it still worked for me. I thought it's really pretty and melodic and soothing. When you, you, now, you said that you, you had some songs that you still wanted to perform in that sort of manner. Is that something you, you think about and then you just sit at the piano and you sort of work it out until it, until it fits? Yeah, I have ideas. That actually was one of the big ideas of why I wanted to do the album. Okay. That first theme. Okay. So I'm like, I know I can do this, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like going through your memory It's songs that you love or songs that I feel like I can connect to. Mm-hmm. That's what's most important to me doing music that means something to me. It kind of, it really helps to put the feeling into it when you're recording. Yeah. Yeah. But just to go through and play. And I like to experiment with songs that are fast and make them slow and see how they turn out and are they any good and, and that kind of stuff. So that's what I did with this album. Um, as we might talk about, but be our guest is one of the songs on this album. And you, we all know how that that's a huge Broadway show stopping number. Yeah. So to slow it down and put it into this lullaby ish kind of a, a theme I thought was really interesting to do and really cool. So I like to experiment with stuff like that. I love Tom, did you use a digital piano again, or was that a real piano? Yes. It's my, it's called, um, noir piano it's a patch that goes through my pro tool system and it's, it's one of my favorite piano sounds. I do not have a piano in my place. Otherwise I would be recording on a real piano. There's nothing like real instruments. I always say that all the time. There's nothing like it, but I don't have a piano here and it's expensive to go into studios to record. It takes a lot of time. So that's why I do it here at home. But yes, it's, I have a keyboard and then it it, it triggers the, the sounds on the computer. Okay. And this one's called Noir. It's a gorgeous piano sample by a guy in Germany. Nils Fromms is his name. He's um, like a new Oh, yeah, age. Nils. Nils. Nils is it? Yeah, he's so good. It's, it's <laughs> his called Nilly, but... Are you making... <laughs> You're joking, right? I don't actually know Nils Fromms. It's his piano that he sampled. It's his nine-foot stock uh, Yamaha Grand or something, or Steinway, that he's meticulously sampled. And that's what I use. I, I love it. 
I would. Never I just couldn't because when we heard it, I couldn't believe how authentic it sounded, and I was like, "He must have been in a piano." On a, it's on a, a very piano. good piano sound, but it's it's coming from a keyboard. Now that you can also add, which I have not done on this album, but you can add the foot pedal noises. You can you can add mechanical wood noises. From the piano. Wow. It's all in there. Wow! Wow! Yeah, wow. it's crazy, crazy what you can do. It's like uh, it's like taking a an MP3 of like a off a CD and then adding like the pops and hisses to like you know get it more like a record. That's crazy yeah. to me. Right, it's that kind of stuff. Here's the next one. This one might be a little tougher. I don't. know. It depends on when I just like I'm I'm just you know moving the uh, the You're little just dropping the needle. Yeah, right? I'm just dropping the needle. Say. So it might just be on the chorus. I don't know. It's still so happy, but also sad at the same time. And I guess that's the the, the feeling of the song, like in I general, feel that right? Way. I've yeah, always felt that way. About it. it's a it's a beautiful song. It's a little haunting, a little sad. Yes, at the same mm-hmm. I, exactly. That's how I've always felt about that melody. But I, it's a gorgeous melody. I love it. Oh, it's classic. It. And that's one song where I had posted on. I didn't know if I was going to put that on the album because I didn't know if people would really want to hear it, and I I just didn't know. So I asked i posted on like on facebook and stuff i said do you what do you think should i put this on and every person said yes 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 do rainbow connection that's why that went on there yeah well, no one hates that song yeah no that's and, true and i think Tom, terrence hates it i hate that song i just hate showing up to a person's wedding and finding out that that's the song we're singing as their first dance yeah. they didn't tell us beforehand. by the way you're singing our first dance Thanks. <laughs> I did not know that's how that went down. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, it yeah. just it just means that you guys are that talented yeah, to be able no. to pull yeah, that off. They had faith in you. <laughs> no. That's exactly. that's not what that is. That's not what that means. <laughs> okay, well, you know, uh what do you want from me? All right, here's another one. That was so pretty. I I can't place it though. I know the song, but I can't. You'll know it when you hear the melody. when you tell me what this is i know you it's really there are and i can't it, oh boy should i give you a hint mm-hmm. yes yeah. think snow white <laughs> whistle while you work yeah yes what yes. Wow. So while you wow. work. was that like in a, in a, a, a waltz man. was that a waltz because 
for that, I changed it and put it into a waltz time instead See? of four beats in a measure. Jason got it's three beats, so it changes the feel of it and makes it more of a waltz. But I thought it really worked for that song. It I does. really liked it. Can we yeah. hear it again? A little. Can we hear it again? Um, yeah, sure. Well, now it totally makes it like I hear it. Uh huh. This is the intro. Like that's the musical interlude. <laughs> Now you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And you change some of the chord patterns in it, you know, to make it yeah. fresh. And yeah. At one point, it sounded like you put it into a relative minor as well during that, that mm-hmm. chorus part. That was really yeah. good. Thanks, Terrence. It was, that was a fun one to do because I knew I wanted to do something different instead of just play it kind of traditionally how it was. I wanted to spin it, make it more like a, a waltz, you know, and make it relax, relaxing. It was, it was beautiful. Absolutely thank beautiful. you man thank wow. you oh, wow. thank you yeah it's good because it's sort of like i don't know if it's just the waltz timing or format or whatever but it's sort of you, you feel obligated to just start moving you know <laughs> right. it's, it's a very like a, a literally a moving piece you like I, yeah. I think i have to move now i'm i'm, I'm being reprogrammed i couldn't help myself from being like <laughs> like this right mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it's what the waltz does to you. Yeah. All right. Here's and Tom. One. You're not oh, yeah. playing this from sheet music, is that right? Most no, no, because I no. Except there were a couple <laughs> songs that I did. I had to I had to download the sheet music to to check the melodies, but it was for the Manuel Miranda songs. Okay. Because his stuff That's is com- his stuff has a lot of rhythm in it, so. I had, but most of the stuff, you know, I played these songs for years. You know, we grew up with them. And they were some of the first Disney songs I learned, you know, like that whistle while you work and stuff. So I, I've known them for a long time. Yeah. Do you, so since you're playing it by ear and from heart, like n- you're not playing it from music, how do you decide how it's going to go? I mean, I would have to at least minimally have some sort of outline of start, middle, end. Sure. You know, like how do you do that? I guess, well, if you know the song really well, I think it's kind of just in your memory bank somewhere. So you could kind of pull up. So I know kind of how the song goes generally. And then you just start to work on it verse by verse, kind of change it and do what you want to it. It just, I don't know. It just, it, I can remember it all for some reason. I, I don't know. I just do. It's a creative I, process. But it's a creative process and it takes time. It yeah. does take a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy. Basically, just get good is what he's saying. <laughs> just get good. That is so rude. Thank you for breaking that down so succinctly. <laughs> yeah. Nick has nothing on me, Jeremy. Man. We love his stuff, but it just takes time, and and it does. But like you said, like some music, I do want to download it and look at it and see because it's complicated, and I don't know. Like we'll talk about the Manuel Miranda stuff, but I'd never played any of his music before, so I needed to see it and download it and see the structures and stuff. So yeah, there's times where I absolutely have to do that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Here's another one. I'm not entirely sure where this will go, but let's see. Okay. Moana. Yeah. Did you say Moana? Moana. I love Moana too. Yeah. Where she goes and meets Maui, the big dragon. Yeah. 
God, that piano sounds so clear and perfect. The reverb on it is insane. Like retrospective i don't know it's it, it's good i mean you're you're the way that you connect with these pieces is sort of you know it, it it's emotional stirring you as a listener knowing nothing about most things i feel connected already with the way that you're translating these these songs i love it thank you because that's really all i want i think that's what any musician wants just to be able to connect with people to connect with who's ever listening try to put as much emotion as you can into it. And now that was one of the songs, Jeremy, I had to download that because the verses get really rhythmical and stuff. And I needed to just see the structure and see, you know, how it goes, how he writes it. Cause mm-hmm. this stuff is, there's a lot of notes in there. And it, cause he writes a lot of that stuff's for vocals, you know? Hmm. So it's made for that, but I thought it worked really well. I just wanted to do a more straightforward version of that. Um, it's a great song. I've never recorded any of Lin-Manuel Miranda stuff before. So that was the first time to do one of his songs, and it was I really liked it. I mean, it, I loved playing his music. It's a good song, man. That that Moana oh, soundtrack is really good. I love it. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. It's well, and, and what I love about your music, and I and I think this really speaks to every song I've heard of yours, is is that it's it's a familiar sound. So you you enjoy it because it's familiar, but. It's so uniquely you mm-hmm. that it just it it kind of takes it to like the next level, and it's it takes it a like we all love Disney so much, but you don't always want to be in this Disney bubble. Sometimes you just want to be listening to jazz music, but you also have a four year old, and this is kind of like <laughs> a really nice way for everyone to get what they want, you know? Like because we'll, we'll play it in the morning when we make coffee, and it's like. You replaced our our old jazz, you know, like just soundtrack or whatever that we used to listen to and wake up to, and now it's now it's Tom Amin, and it's it's nice because it's familiar, but it's different, and it's you, and I I just I, I enjoy it so much. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's that's great. I love that. I and, love know, that. I've never really heard it described what you just said. Basically, like the songs are written for vocals. And it's really enjoyable to hear them in a way that they're not necessarily designed for vocals. Like you're, it's not your your pieces are not designed to be sung along with necessarily. Sure. And it sort of um, takes the same song that we all know and love and gives it a completely different perspective, which is really enjoyable, actually. So, thank you so much. I wonder too if instrumentals. I've always wondered this if you know because. When you're listening to music that has words, your mind, you kind of tune into those words because you're listening to the lyrics and what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I wonder if sometimes instrumentals give you more creative license in your own mind. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That you're not listening at words. You're listening just to more of the music and melodies. So you can kind of make up stuff in your mind, like what the words would be, or just listen to the melody. I wonder if it just it's easier on the mind, maybe, in a way, I guess. Freestyle rapping. That's what you need to work on next, <laughs> Tom. Because, like, if I'm working, like, say I'm working on the computer or stuff, I'll put on mostly, most times, instrumental music hmm. so that it it, it kind of helps me. But if I had lyric stuff, I'd want to be tuning into what they're saying and stuff like that. So, I don't know. That's just my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sort of, 
it's more free form. It, it lets it lets you decide what it's going to say to you. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what language you speak either. You can uh, you right. can kind of understand it. Everybody knows the musical language. It was it's interesting to me because I feel like Disney. This is what Disney's missing in a lot of their nighttime spectaculars. Because oh. I was listening to Wish's soundtrack the other day, which actually is mostly instrumentals. There is vocals to it, but there's a lot of parts of that where you hear music that is just solely instrumental and it definitely has a different feel to it than when it is actually Moana belting you in the face with that, that medley. So like sure. hearing that again, I'm so sick of that song actually, Tom, <laughs> but I have to be honest with you, but just having heard it just now, I was like, Oh, I actually really like this song. It's a lovely melody without hmm. the, you know, I understand that's that's, vocal. So I was I, happy you, you gave new life to that song. For and, that's, <laughs> and that's the point for me, like, especially with uh, instrumentals and what you're doing, Tom, is that I, I love that with your left hand, you're just you're supporting the melody and you're mm. pumping out what the what the actual lines are that would be singing. And it doesn't it's not in your face. There's no there is no crazy uh, vocal acrobatics going on or anything like that. It's just nice and clean. And it's oh, the kind of cool. thing, like, you hear music like this when you're in Carthay, and while I'm in Carthay, I'm not paying attention to the music. And mm. this would be the kind of thing where I'd be like, everyone shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to listen to the song. Awesome. And then I get escorted out by Disney security. <laughs> <laughs> I need you guys to be like my um, publicity agents. <laughs> You we it. are your hype team. We got you. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Have a big churro. Things in a way that I can't even do. So it's really awesome. Hey, any any time, any time you need us, Thank Tom, you. we'll be there. Everybody, shut up. <laughs> Parents would say, uh, "Sir, this is a Wendy's. What are you talking about?" Um, all right, we got a, we got two. Let's do two more. Oh my god. Okay. Let's do two more. be our guest yes good job jeremy it's right on the tip of my tongue i was gonna say rainbow connection again it it did sort of sound like that i was like that's not right wait oh it's so sad Absolutely. There's so much depth in that, in that, just that little sample. So well, I, this, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. I was going to say, this is another example where that was the middle part where Lumiere was singing life's, you know, there for a server and he's not serious. Now a lot in the, the second half of that piece, he talks most of the song, but he doesn't sing the melody. Mm. I was thinking, how do I do this? Cause there is a melody there. Um, and I thought, let's put it in the waltz time again, the three, yes, four time to make it more, French to make it sound more like it's almost like an accordion mm. would be playing it, but to give it that different kind of feel. So it, it, it holds your attention longer, I thought, than just playing four four. So that's why I did that middle part like that. 
but I told, I had to tell you, this was the song I practiced the most. I must've practiced the song 300 times. I mean, cause every, wow. key, every chorus is a key change. Every verse is a key change. And Jeremy, I did have the music for this one too. I had in the songbook <laughs> that I went back to, to see what, how the each key change and where it went, but it changes keys every time. There's a lot of little incidentals in the melody, which was fun, but it took me, I really practiced this one hard mm. to get this right. I so. don't find the accidentals very fun. I don't really find the key changes funny that they annoy me. I'm like, ah, oh. just don't do it. Right. So I, what I was going to say is I take voice lessons and I actually had a okay. lesson today and um, we were practicing. <laughs> Rude. So, and, and we were, um, we were doing a song and it's called uh, now when the rain falls, it's not important, but the beginning of okay. the song starts out and it kind of, it, it, the way it sounds, it sort of transports you and it sounds, you you hear the beginning of the song and you're like, oh, there's rain. It's You can picture yourself looking out a window with rain okay. falling. And I get the same vibe from nice. from that, from specifically from Be Our Guest, where I'm like, I can, I can feel the emotion that you're trying to convey. Awesome. Great. In different, like in that particular part of the song, like I can, I can understand like you're trying, it's, it's a little morose. It's a little, like there's a lot of kind mm-hmm. of sadness happening. And I, that's just, mm-hmm. and my teacher was saying that like, that's not something that you hear very often in music. It's pretty rare that you mm-hmm. hear, you hear music and you're able to kind of envision what it, it's a skill, like to be able to play something and have somebody mentally go where you want them to go. That's true. That it takes, thank you. And it takes a lot of work too to do that. I'm sure. I'm it's sure. a lot. It's hard. And it's, you just kind of want, because at the end of the day, you just want to connect with people. You want people to like the music or connect to what you're trying to say, you know. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But this song I thought was really pretty to slow it down again and do that waltz in the middle. But if you listen to the whole song, it starts out really slow. And then the second verse gets a little bit bigger. And the end of the song is probably the loudest part of the album because i did do a fuller piano at the very end because i thought we got to do it's be our guest you know you got to have like this <laughs> let's just as a tribute to the song let's do a fuller ending where they're doing the big finale yeah. so it does get a little crescendo there at the end on that piece as it should awesome as it should of course yeah i remember the last album that you did you used a tool or something that mimic the uh, softening of the hammers on the piano to kind of yes. dull the the music did you do that here or did you know with right you wanted it to be a bit more punchy just regular piano on this when the last album we did what we call felt piano which is part of that noir sample it's the felt where they put a piece of felt across the piano strings so when the hammers hit it it's softer it's a softer piano and then you can hear sometimes the hammer hitting the felt like it's got a little weird sound but it makes the piano really soft, mm-hmm. but I did not want to do that for this one. Cause I just wanted to play more regularly mm-hmm. uh, on this one. So this is just the regular piano. Okay. On this okay. one. Uh, and the last one I wanted to play Tom was uh, Grogu's lullaby. And that's yes, an original this... piece. So that's why I didn't, I didn't play. Although I did think about pranking everybody cause I'm a, <laughs> I'm a notorious prankster. Um, and then, you know, having ever leaving everyone on the hook for like two minutes, but I thought it'd be really boring. <laughs> Tell me about Grogu's lullaby. It's a, it's an original piece by you. This is the only original piece on the album. And I wanted to start with Star Wars and then end with like a Star Wars piece. And I love the Mandalorian. It's I 
I can only explain it is when I first saw Baby Yoda before we knew his name was Grogu or whatever. Mm-hmm. That brought all the magic of the of the original trilogy back to me because I grew up in the seventies and that was the original ones. The tr- trilogy is what I loved, you know, seventies through the eighties. And that seeing that whole Mandalorian brought all that back to me. The magic of what the original trilogy was. Well, episodes four, five, and six, anyway. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of write yeah. a lullaby to Grogu because he's just such a great character. Like, I just love the characters, you know, everyone does. So I thought, let's just write him a melody and kind of top off the album that way, like end the album with that. So that's why I just, uh, tried, I decided to do that. All right, let's jump in and see, uh, see what old Gro- Grogu's up to. Tom, you have a really good control good. over over Thank the you. tempo and the tones. You know, Thanks, I, I, I don't I don't know uh, you know how how uh, rare that is or whatever. But when I listen to the music, it's very it, it it doesn't feel forced. It feels I don't know you you you're really really good at <laughs> controlling that at at stretching out the pieces, squishing them together, and really just taking me on a a journey through your lens of of a song awesome it's really cool i really appreciate that i really do i just it's just what i try to do it's you know and i feel as is hopefully that as you're saying comes through the music these are all songs that i love you know that that speak to me that have a special place in my heart and that makes it even you know that's what you can pour all the emotion in when you have such feeling for this music these songs that shape my childhood and all that kind of stuff and and the original lullaby, just baby Grogu, or Grogu was like so magical to me that it was just an inspiration to do that melody. So it's great. The new album is Thank called you. The Softer Side of Magic. And where can people pick it up? Anywhere, basically, right? Anywhere. It's on all the streaming services Spotify, Amazon, mm-hmm. Apple Music. You can download the MP3s if you want, it's like an iTunes store, or Apple, whatever. It's, it's everywhere. Uh, you can just go to or go to tomamemusic.com, my website, and all the links are there as well. All right. Yeah. And I encourage people to buy it. You can stream it, but buy it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's buying is great. I mean, streaming is okay too. I'm trying it's to fine. build a good audience on Spotify for myself, but Do buying is the best way to support artists these days. But absolutely. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did. Have so a if whole... you hear it, come on Spectra Radio, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, the the reason Spectra Radio rules is because you pay, you pay the rights, you pay the artists. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And as long as Tom is a really member good. of whatever organization it is, he would be getting cuts. There you go. I'm a member of ASCAP, so I don't know if that's. Yep. You should. Do you, yeah. Are you are you affiliated with Sound Exchange? Because that's how the checks get cut. I'm not sure. You know, CD Baby was the original place. I, I all my stuff goes through CD Baby, so I don't know. Oh. I don't know, but yeah, put it up on Spectrum. I just I, I want might be... as many people to hear it as possible. Seriously, that's my goal. 
It's cool. I, I, I like it a lot. It. I did want to do a couple fun things with you uh, and go through like okay. a list, but you know we've already been at it forty five minutes, and Terrence still has to go, and we have a whole other show to do. So, okay. um, but I want so I want to cut down some of that. I do have a question for you though. Uh, you already talked about Lin Manuel Miranda. Terrence and Jeremy love Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> In your opinion, is Lin Manuel Miranda overrated or just semi hated? Is a rant coming? Oh. Because I told Jeremy before the show. I love the rants between you and Jeremy. <laughs> so I, am I going to be, am I going to like be, am I going to witness one here? Uh, no, probably not. I, mean, maybe. I, don't so. I don't have a Manuel Miranda rant okay. at, the moment, at the ready. I, I really, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is great. I think he's a genius in what he does. I really do. Um, All right. You know what? I gotta, <laughs> no, have, you, have you seen Encanto? Have you seen Encanto, Tom? Yes. And I liked it. I, well, you know, I did one of the songs on the album, Dos Regitas. I did. I oh. liked Encanto, but I know that some people don't like, great. I know Jason does not like it. I've listened to his rant. So I know. <laughs> I know. I've learned to like it. Man. He's like, I like it. I, what do you guys say? I liked it. I thought the I, music was good. I liked it. With Lin-Manuel particularly, I feel like he has, I feel like he's very talented and he's backed himself into a corner and he's only doing okay. certain things. Like I think that his ability to do so much more is there, but he's found something and uh, he's making a lot of money off of it. So he's continually doing the same thing. Okay. Okay. I, I think that he is yes. a guy. I think he's a guy that did Moana. He did <laughs> uh he did um Hamilton. He did Encanto. I think he can do a lot of great things. Oh sorry, a lot of different things. <laughs> I like maybe twenty percent of his songs. Maybe. <laughs> Did yeah. you ever see Hamilton? Did you uh, in ever person? See it? In person, no. I saw it on Disney Plus. I saw it in person with not the original cast. I saw, but you, it was one of those shows where it was like an experience, like Les Mis. Like mm-hmm. it's not just a show. It's a, now I know there's issues with what's happening with it now, but there it was like an experience. Like when you see Rent or Les Mis, it was yeah. just one of those shows that just takes you level. And his music was just so powerful. But I can understand what you guys are saying. I mean, it's definitely a style, mm-hmm. you know, that he has. But I just think he's so good at it. Yeah, it's I like, mean, I, I think it's gotten to the point where, like, he'll do something and we're like, oh, is this is this is this Lynn? Oh. <laughs> is this Lynn? Uh, yeah. yeah, you guys aren't first. Yeah. Is this Lynn M.M.? Well, I mean, I think it's okay for an artist to have a style. Yeah. Yeah. You you should be able to see, you know, there's certainly composers who you can hear. Thomas Newman. If you you can watch a movie and you hear Thomas Newman's soundtrack and it's like, "Mm mm-hmm, I know who this is. Got it. (laughs) You know, and then there are some who are a bit more versatile, such as John Debney. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I I feel like this is stifling his creativity about okay okay i, I, I don't like he, i feel like he could do more and i feel like it could be better i think he's okay. i think with encanto <laughs> he tried to do too much and i don't know why like the the don't talk about bruno that song annoys me but it's that intro song the family so welcome to the family madrigal oh, yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. can't i can't it it it's nails on a chalkboard that have been removed from the chalkboard and stuck into my brain i can't say it again <laughs> say it again Jason. i don't know and i don't know why i think it's i think it's too it's too much it's too cute is it too much yeah it's There's like way too much information that should have been done naturally through the story instead of throwing it as in a two-minute song it's like after I, I, it's, I get that it's like after i take a shower and, and groom myself i'm too cute i have to stay away until i get ugly again 
<laughs> and that's what I think. I've got to. Oh, sorry. That's what it is. I, I think that's his Broadway nope. background, though, because oh, that's sure. what Broadway does. You know what I mean? Slay yes. Miz is a really long story, and mm-hmm. y- you know, chapters of that book are comp- are put into one song. You know, yeah. so I think yeah. that's what he knows to do. That was my. I actually sort of appreciate that. That was my revelation. Where it's if you think of that music as a as a play. And not mm-hmm. as like Moana or Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> right? It, right. It may at least it the reason makes sense. I still don't. I don't like it. I don't know. It's not Little okay. Shop of Horrors. You know what I mean? Okay, I <laughs> understand. I think. Yeah. I think as a person with zero musical background, didn't know what you guys were talking about with the one, three, four. I don't know anything <laughs> about that. Okay, it's just I, math, dude. It's fine. I hated Encanto the first time I saw it. But then the second time, I was like, huh, it's not that bad. And then now, I actually look forward to hearing the songs come on every single day that we hear them. Mm. Disagree. And so I (laughs) would say that that's a testament to him because Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the repetition for me because I don't do that with any song. But those songs are very catchy. We don't talk about Bruno. Hated it so, so much. And now I know every single word. Sing it all Mm -hmm. the time. I'm really sorry. Uh, Stanza. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if you hear it enough, it gets stuck in your head. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, All right, Tom, who's better? Alan Menken or the Sherman Brothers? Right now, let's go. Putting you on the spot. Oh, my God, that's hot. Who's better? I love Alan Menken. I just, I do. I love his writing. But the Sherman Brothers are awesome, too. Mm. It's hard to pick one of those. You have to. Or else uh, I'd go with Alan, Alan Menken. There you go. Hey, Menken oh, and Howard Ashman were just oh my God. They were yeah, so good. That was the, you, you'll never top that. No, I mean they were just so. It was just such a duo that was perfect for each other, and just the music they made was so good. Who's um, more samey? Who's which composer is more samey? Randy Newman or Randy Newman? <laughs> Zany? S a m e y. Who, who sounds the same after every project they've ever done? Randy Newman <laughs> or Randy, Randy Newman? Newman? Yeah, Randy. <laughs> good, answer. good answer. Good answer. <laughs> just picking on Randy Newman. I don't know. Uh, uh, poor Randy. Finally, though, what video game are you playing right now? You're a gamer. I was just playing Halo before I got on the call. All right. I haven't played Halo in a while, but I'm also playing. I have a Nintendo Switch. So I was playing some of the new maps in Mario Kart. Nice. You're not so doing, doing Mario Kart. You're not doing Elden Ring. No, I don't know that one. Is that good? I don't know. No, it. don't do it. Well, it's great. It's uh, it's like a Dark Souls game. If you've heard okay. of Dark Souls, where it's like they intentionally make it super, super hard, and that's that's the they're like sort of reimagining what video games should be, quote unquote, where they don't make the final boss easy at all. It's literally it's like super hard. Get it's like good. Cuphead. Have you played Cuphead? I have played Cuphead. It's and this, impossible. It's the same. It's the same argument I make with with Elder Ring. I love the artwork in Cuphead, but it's too hard for me, and I don't want to break my Switch in half. Same thing with Elden Ring. The the artwork is like it's like Game of Thrones and like really cool anime sort of put together, and it's like medieval, but monsters are just it. It's phenomenal. The artwork is wow. mind blowing, but it's hard. And I just hard. I finally gave up on. It. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I I just can't, I can't do, do it. it. Hey, Jeremy, have you ever played Cupface? <laughs> No, I've never heard of that. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Cuphead. Oh, Cuphead. Sorry. I don't know what Cuphead is. You have to be cool. It's a video game 
where you're just trying to get through levels and destroy things, but it's done in the art deco of the 1940 cartoons. So you're like, you're playing in the 1930s and forties cartoon. It's tight. It's really cool. Look it up but on it's, YouTube. It's, it's a, it's the art style hard. is awesome, but I, the I art style's great. suggest looking up some elder ring on YouTube, Tom, and, and check I it out. The art style is beautiful. And I'm just, I'm frustrated because I understand what they're trying to do. They're just trying to make a different genre of game. But you sure. would hit so many more people if you just put it on easy mode. Let me just play the game. I don't want to have to struggle with it and and whatever. Anyway, Tom, look, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, man. The softer side of magic, you can go to TomAmin.com. That's T-O-M-A-M-E-E-N.com. That's correct. And, uh, and check out all of Tom's offerings there. And, uh, and be sure to, to follow him on Spotify and then go buy the albums and then stream them. Thank you. Well, thank you so yeah. much for having me. It's all, I always love coming on here, you guys. It's so nice to see all you. And You're welcome anytime. Thank you man. so much. It really, the support is awesome and I appreciate it. Perfect. Well, thank we you. love having you on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hang thank on, everybody. You. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to let Tom go. We'll be right back. We're going to listen to Terrence tell us about the soaring all over the place history yeah, of nice. flying over your city. This is Ears Up. Nice. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now, back to the show that's more fun than waiting in line for Peter Pan on a hot August Anaheim day. Ears up. All right, thanks for hanging around, everybody. The great Tom Amin has left the building. He's wonderful. Yeah. Good guy, man. Super happy. For some reason, likes us. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. He's such like a nice guy, and he deals with all of our <laughs> sarcasm. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He's I like, think yeah. he likes everything. Yeah, Maybe. including us. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, he also likes the Bantha milk guys. For God's sakes, I mean, <laughs> uh, those do? guys are cool. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, all right, Terrence, welcome back. First of all, buddy, good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a hot good minute. To be back. Doing all right? Uh, no, but I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> Hey man, if your feet hit the floor in the morning, you're winning. That's true. That's true. Um, just want to make sure I didn't ask what was yet didn't have time before the show started. Do you have my tracks for tonight? Of course I do. Okay. All right. Uh, they you. don't sound as good as the ones that uh Jeremy does for his segments, but we're gonna go with it. All okay. right. Perfect. <clears throat> ready? Oh, I'm ready. Welcome to nineteen ninety five. Michael Eisner is the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, and his right-hand man, Frank Wells, has recently passed away, leaving Eisner without his most trusted confidant and friend. The company is reeling from the hemorrhage that is Euro Disney. What's the best thing to do at this point? Let's build a new park. (laughs) The Imagineers were hard at work on a second gate for the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, where the old Disneyland parking lot stood. The second park was slated to be called Westcott, which would be the be- the West Coast replica of Epcot. With the yeah, central- you wish, you guys, you wish. Okay. <laughs> no, honestly, anyone listening, if you have not looked up Westcott, look it up. It was amazing. There was there were plans for you to be able to stay in hotels that were within the park, 
and to be able to leave the hotel and just kind of stroll around the area at night if you wanted to. It was amazing. They had something called Space Station Earth, which would be a larger version of the geodesic sphere that was spa- that is Spaceship Earth in Epcot. But uh, yeah, they were broke. We were so, robbed. Yeah, so no, we can't do that. And so st- while, instead, we got we got farm equipment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So while the park was canceled at Westcott, after a weekend retreat with the M Engineers, they came up with the concept of a theme park in California dedicated to California, Woo. which is genius. Uh, while this park would be des- uh, destroyed in reviews, there was one attraction that was and would continue to be loved. First conceptualized in 1996 as Ultra Flight, uh, it was conceived as a flight simulator ride that would take people through a flight above California with the riders gliding above projections on an Omnimax screen with riders dipping and diving. So kind of think of uh, a faster version of Peter Pan's ride system meets what you see at a laundromat. Uh, <laughs> it's literally how it was described. Uh, the riders were to be loaded onto three separate levels. and the Four sh- people? <laughs> What do you say? You say four people? Floor people? The three the people were to be located on three separate levels. Sorry, the peep the riders. Three separate levels and the sheer magnitude of the ride vehicle, the loading, the moving around the building, it would make the building much too large for the footprint given to them. So Mark Sumner, who is a principal imagineer on the project, he realized that if things weren't changed soon, this ride would never see the light of day. While he was visiting some family for Thanksgiving, Sumner found an old erector set in his childhood home's attic. In three hours' time, he created a crude but a working model of the flight vehicle. The vehicle would allow all guests to be loaded on a single level, and then they could lift them out and above the Omnimax screen. This was significantly cut down on the footprint of the building. The following Monday, the idea was pitched, and it was a hit. While the building was being built, it was time to start taking footage of the places that would be visited during your ride. This was difficult. In fact, there was so much red tape that it took over two years to secure the permits needed to film. The company rented helicopters, uh, custom equipped with cameras that shot in IMAX HD 48 frames per second, twice as fast as what was normally used at the time. I'll tell you about some of the scenes later. We're going to get into what our boy Michael Eisner wanted. So, um... (laughs) So for the scene overlooking Yosemite, it took 18 months to get a yes to filming. In fact, they were the finally able to film. It was the first time that there was a flyover in Yosemite since the mid-1900s. Wow, wow dude. Yeah. Uh, the Monterey and the Point Lobo scenes were even harder. Both of these areas are considered to be animal sanctuaries. So in order to film in these locations, much care had to be taken to ensure that the filming would not disturb any of the protected wildlife inhabiting the area. So, in fact, when you watch it, you see some of the boats there. Some of the boats are actually National Oceanic and Atmosphere Administration boats who are positioned there purposefully to keep an eye on the animal and the bird activity during the filming. Wow. Yes. They wanted to make sure sure that nothing that was done was going to disturb what was going on there. You would think they would just pick somewhere else to film. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? It's so hard. Like, California is pretty big. Yeah. There's kind of a lot of things that you could film. Like, yes. why pick the tough one when you don't well, really need to? Okay, I didn't so they even picked know the, this. They picked the tough one because they wanted to give people a realistic idea of what California was like. But the problem is that they're also dealing with Michael Eisner. So Michael Eisner wanted it to be all L.A. 
Oh, jeez. All L.A. So think about what he said with the original opening of California Adventure. We want to build an homage to L.A. You don't need to drive around L.A., come to California Adventure, and you'll see all of L.A. That's awful. (laughs) Terrible idea. It's gross. And and he's, like I said, he's, so with Frank Wells, Frank Wells took all the crappy ideas that he had, and he would say, no, we're not doing this, Michael. We can do this one. Oh, this is a great one. We can do that. He didn't have that guy anymore. And so he basically had free reign to see what he wanted, say what he wanted to do. Like, what are you going to film in L.A.? Like, Skid Row? Like, so, I mean, <laughs> this is the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So right. this is what he wanted to film in L.A. Some of the things that he threw out there. He said, if people are driving around L.A., think about all the landmarks they want to see and let's bring it to them. So let's bring them the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Let's bring a man's Chinese theater. The let's sign. let's do the Hollywood sign. Let's do all these different things they would see if they're driving around L.A. And let's bring them there. And they're like, nah, we're no, we're not going to do so that. That's so stupid. Right. Century <laughs> Boulevard. We love it. Right. That's right. Awful. <laughs> Victory Boulevard. We love it. And, oh, nice. We love Sixth LA. Street. We love it. <laughs> I love LA. So, I mean, it's not the worst. Yes, idea. it is. It's, yeah. it's, yes, it's it about, is. Because at Universal, they have that Jimmy Fallon New York ride. Well, first of all, there's two problems with that. Number one, Jimmy Fallon. Number two, New York. <laughs> But if you leave it just the ride, it's fine. I mean, I see what you're doing. I see what you're saying. And I sort of agree with you, Jeremy. We're like, it's not the worst idea to sort of, you know, L.A. is a world travel destination. I, I get it. L.A.'s big. There's a lot of I love old L.A., you know, like the Art Deco sort of period of L.A., the old bridges they have across the canals or whatever. But it's sort of I mean, and what else are you going to do, I guess? But it is sort of the high point of lack of creativity amongst uh, Imagineers and amongst Disney in general with you have a brand new park. Mm-hmm. You got to put something in it and you're going to just go an hour away. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, it would probably be more enjoyable than actually going to those places. Well, sure. LA is so terrible. It's Heck terrible. of a lot safer. <laughs> but, yes. it's, sure. but it's also so nuanced and it's like you're not going to really get the heart of LA. But why Why LA? Why not? Like you said, California is huge. If you're going to do California, why not anywhere else? Any, but, uh, anything else? But, uh, also, can I say one more thing? Anyone no. who tells me, don't blame Bob JPEG, the CEO doesn't get involved <laughs> in these kinds of things. Yes, they do. Absolutely. Here you go. Yeah. So, yes, you're absolutely right about that. Also, you have a, grand, a brand new park called California Adventure. You have Superstar Limo where he's paying homage to L.A. and to everything going on in there. It was just another bad call by yeah. him. And luckily, they were able to talk him out of it. Should be like so, anything San yeah. Francisco. Mm-hmm. Right, it San Francisco yeah, would be great. Actually, so, would be much better. Yeah. So they so two years to two years to get the filming done. The filming is finally done, uh, and the attraction was built, and the park opens. The park is panned, like it's horrible. Like people are saying, this is so bad. People are going for a couple of hours and leaving. This is my favorite quote from John Hinch, one of the most famous Imagineers of all time. He's quoted as saying, "I preferred the old parking lot." Oh, damn. Ouch. Ouch. So, but, but the thing that people agree on is that this attraction is amazing. So this is what it was like first day. So you walk into an old flight hangar. You walk through the Flight Hall of Fame where you see an homage to California's aviation history, including profiles of the P-511 Mustang, the SR-71 Blackbird, and the Bell X-1. 
There's also a section dedicated to aviators such as John J. Montgomery, Amelia Earhart, who I didn't realize until I did the research, had moved to California in the latter part of her, her life. Uh, Jimmy Doolittle, Charles Lindbergh, Jack Northrup, the Wright brothers, Howard Hughes, Jacqueline Cochran, uh, Kelly Johnson, Paul McCready, and Chuck Yeager. Uh, in the queue, you're greeted by a variety of music from aviation-themed films such as Patton, MacArthur, Air Force One, and many others. Jason, track one. I feel like Jeremy. Track one. Now, surprisingly, those, those are not all the same song, but <laughs> they have the same kind of vibe, and it's it's kind of cool. Like when you're in there looking, this is what you're hearing. Also, real quick, I'm sorry, real quick, if I can give some quick feedback on the last show. Um, what was the last show? The last show was the uh, ranking all the different lands. Oh yeah. Okay, yes. so number one, yes, it would have been extremely annoying for me to be on there if we're talking about <laughs> Disneyland versus California Adventure. Number two, I am very proud of you all for saying New Orleans Square is the best land. And You're number welcome. three, there is uh, there is area music in um, Adventureland. There's, There's a not. lot of drums and stuff like that. There's not. There is. Apparently, there is. according to the cast members, all those sounds are spillover from Jungle Cruise. There's so no there area-specific music. It's an album. There is a there's a mm. website that you can go to that has all the area music of Adventureland. I'm not going to say the website because we don't listen to that. We only listen to Spectro Radio. <laughs> all right. So before you enter the theater, uh, you're separated into three different lines, Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie Gate. Each gate gets to watch a pre-boarding video featuring Patrick Walburton, uh, putty, if you will. Uh, and actually, thank you to the guys from uh, TSR from the Supreme Resort for pointing out the fact that he gives a kid a thumbs up and says, good job, when the kid didn't even buckle his own seatbelt. It was his parent who did it for him. Um, well, he didn't whine about it. And that's really uh, all you can expect of a six-year-old. <laughs> so the score for the ride itself was created by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, upon Jerry Goldsmith's first flight, he was moved to tears due to how the score interacted with the movie and his remembrance of his father's love of aviation. Uh, track two, a little bit of the score. Homie needs to uh, go see a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine crying over this. If I wrote it, I might. I mean, I could imagine that. <laughs> 
I totally could do it. <laughs> it feels like you're on the ride. Just hearing the, it feels yes. like you're on the ride. For sure. Um, the ride vehicle consists of three rows under a wing-like canopy with a maximum occupancy of 87, meaning that there are 261 people in each of the three theaters experiencing the ride uh, at the same time. Uh, you're moved out and up on the vehicle with your feet freely dangling. Also, the structure itself weighs over one million pounds, and <laughs> God, get out and of it, here! And it lifts thirty-seven tons per ride. Oh, uh, the vehicle, as we all know, it also utilizes smellitizers. So, when you're on the ride, your first destination is the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. You then fly to the Redwood Creek, followed by Napa Valley, complete with hot air balloons. Next is Monterey Bay, and you get that little bit of a sea smell while you're going through there. Then. Lake Tahoe. Forgot to mention this earlier. It took over a year for them to get access to film over Lake Tahoe. Um, in that scene, there are extras that were planted there and waited for upwards of five hours for the helicopter to get in place for them to be able to film their scenes. Um, in the scene, a group of skiers launch off of a cliff, and you see one of the skiers fall, and later on, they added in the sound of him biffing. So you can hear him go, oh, when he hits the snow when he falls. Uh, then you go to the PGA West Palmer course in La Quinta, where they hit a golf ball at you. Uh, then the Valencia Orange Groves, and you get the smell of the oranges. Uh, then the Anza Borrego uh, Desert Park State Park. Then you go to San Diego and to Malibu Beach, followed by downtown L.A., where you see the Staples Center, and finally to Disneyland. Uh, guests were convinced when they were riding the ride that the ride was not only moving them up and down, but it was actually moving them left to right, but the Imagineers achieve this feeling by slightly tilting and pitching the seats as the projected images uh, sli uh, slightly pitch left to right to make you feel like you're swinging. All in all, it was four minutes and 37 second ride. In 2016, uh, and also these, this is at Epcot, this is in Shanghai, this is in Tokyo Disney Sea as well. Uh, in 2016, a new version was introduced called Soarin' Around the World. This will take guests to many popular areas across the globe. You go to the Matterhorn in Switzerland, to uh, the uh, fjord, uh, fjord in Greenland with a polar bear jumping in the water, the Sydney Harbor, the Neuenschwanstein Castle, Kilimanjaro National Park, the Great Wall of China, the Great Pyramids. The Taj Mahal, which most people, unless you've been there, you don't realize the Taj Mahal is also slightly tilting to the left in real life. Uh, the West and East Mitten Buttes in uh, Arizona. The Lao Islands in Fiji. Aguaza Falls in Brazil. Um, you would go to the Eiffel Tower unless you're in Tokyo and you go to the Tokyo Tower. And then you would end up, depending on which park you're in, in either Disneyland, Epcot, Shanghai Disneyland, or Tokyo Disney Sea. Now, the soundtrack for Soaring Around the World, Soaring Around the Globe, Soaring Across the World, Soaring All Over Your, Soaring Up in Your City, the soundtrack <laughs> was written by Bruce Broughton and it paid homage to the original by Jerry Goldsmith, track three.
<laughs> I like Jeremy slightly tilting to the <laughs> Eiffel, Tower. Yeah. Eiffel Tower. Seriously. So um, the outside is slightly changed in California to adapt to the area's change. Originally, when the park opened, that area was called Co- uh, Condor Flats. It's now called the Grizzly Peak Airfield. So they added a water tower and removed the rocket. Um, all in all, the attraction costs roughly $18 million to build, but it's been a staple since the opening day of the park. Uh, the original version of Epcot, the queue is themed differently. It, it was originally themed to be an airport, and it had passengers taking a flight to California to see the attractions. Uh, the Shanghai Disneyland version was themed as an ancient observatory uh, and the temple to the Arbori tribe's con- uh, Connor god. The pre-show and safety spiel was hosted by a shaman, and it's entitled Soaring Over the Horizon. Now, the Tokyo Disney Sea version is Soarin' Fantastic Flight. It's set in a, muse- a museum of the Fantastic <laughs> Flight, which is hosted as a retrospective on the life of Camellia Falco. Now, if you've never heard of Camellia Falco, the reason you have never heard of her is because she is completely made up for this. Oh. She is uh, the daughter of Salino and Guilano Falco, founders of the Museum of Fantastic sure. Flight. Sure. Uh, she she participated in a lot of different things, a trip down the Zambezi River. Um, she's so they basically and also she was uh, she was in a glider designed by Leonardo uh, da Vinci. She died in 1875, but her spirit would linger in the halls of the museum and during a special retrospe- uh, retrospective of her life in 1901 her spirit would invite visitors to take flight of fancy aboard the dream flyers speaking that of, is speaking the history of soren yeah, over but- california the world and in your city how wonderful that tokyo is still creating original stories for their parks that don't have to do with moana that's a good point. <laughs> you know, they're like, Speak- oh, let's come up with a story for it. Speaking of original stories. The 21st Amendment Brewery's latest beer release, Tropical Brew Free or Die IPA, puts an island vacation in their whimsically designed cans. That's right, cans. This refreshing year-round release, Tropical IPA, is brewed with pale and Munich malts, brimming with a Zaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic hops, and topped with a splash of pineapple flavor. The result is a clean, refreshing beer featuring a mix of sweet malt, balanced bitterness, fruit-forward hops, and a nice tropical vacation at the finish. Tropical Brew for Your Die IPA is available at your local good beer shop, neighborhood taproom, and anywhere else people come together to find great craft beer. Well, good job, Terrence. Thank you. I have a question. Yes. I have an answer. Uh... It's an old wives' tale or folklore that the person hitting the golf club golf ball at you at PGA West is Michael Eisner himself. Did so, you find out if that's true or not? I actually did research that, and it is inconclusive. Could not find anything. Let's, Let's figure it out. Let's it call is. him. Let's get Mike on the phone. <laughs> Two things. Number one, I've been looking. There is I cannot find definitive area music for Disneyland. Adventureland. There is in Disney World. Oh. But not in Disneyland. And that site you were talking about, Terrence, you tell me later. I mean, you know, we've we've had Disney Chris on before, so it's fine. Um but it's like the this the music that he has is like music that used to be played here, used to be played there, or now is played at Adventureland Tower or whatever, but there's nothing definitive that's in that land that's not spillover from Indy or Jungle Cruise. Okay, so I would I would say this, let me say it again. Oh, okay. As per my last email. Yeah. Per my last email, I will say this again. We only listen to and we 
only support Spectro Radio or Disney Chris on here. <laughs> there is a different website oh, that okay. has all of the area music of everywhere in Disneyland. Send and it. Has I'm curious. Specific, yeah, I'll send it to you right now. It has specific things right here that I am looking at right now. It literally says Disneyland Adventureland. Yeah. Area there. music. And it does it say like it used to be played at the bazaar or at the Tahitian no, Terrace or whatever. No, there's stuff that's at the bazaar, the stuff that's a steel drum <laughs> drum band yeah, that you hear. That's not area that's music. A, if it's played at the bazaar, no, no, no. it's in the And thing. then there's the Adventureland Suite, which is the area music. It's not though. It's not. Okay. Okay. Telling What's you. What's the Adventureland Suite? Can I rent it? <laughs> yes, you can, as a matter of fact. Um, real quick, uh, just because this would make uh, Jeremy laugh, maybe, perhaps. Uh, so I, I found a list, and some website ranked the uh, Dis- best Disney movie composers, top ten. And I was going to go through with Tom and, like, you know, have a whole thing, but we kept them too long. Number one, the top, the top composer, Alan Menken. Oh. Number one. Okay. Uh, then it's Michael Gia, Giacchino. Yes, he did the soundtrack to that horrible movie Tomorrowland, but the soundtrack mm. was fantastic. Mm. He also did Incredibles, Ratatouille, Up, and Zootopia, and Coco. Oh, oh yes, he did do Coco, which is also another fantastic. Um, then you got Randy Newman, who sort of in this picture looks a lot like Terrence's grandma, which is very funny. <laughs> um, number four, Oliver Wallace. Then you have George Bruns, Hans Zimmer, then John Debney at number seven. Well, not for nothing. In in Debney's defense, in his defense, (laughs) defense of Debney, he's not. He hasn't done a ton of movies. Mm. He did the the remake of the Jungle Book, but Debney is really more known for his music in the parks. Which is why we love him. Okay, correct. He wrote. He did the soundtrack to Spectro Magic, and when they redid all of the Fantasyland attractions, he reorchestrated them. He reorchestrated Small World when they reopened Disney. When they opened Disneyland Paris, so he's parks oriented. But you know what? We love him, and he's done some other things. He also wrote the soundtrack to the early '90s NBC hit sci-fi adventure Sequest DSV. <laughs> I remember trying to watch that, and I was like, I can't do this. Oh my god, I loved it. Oh my god, I couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, we are gonna get out of here. I think everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. Of course, thank you again to Tom Amin. You can go to TomAmin.com and check out his brand new album. The softer side of magic. And support Tom. He's a good dude. He comes on the show uh, when he doesn't have to. So <laughs> that makes him automatically, you know, a good guy. Uh, if you're listening live and you are a Patreon supporter, give us five minutes. We've got to make our drink and they'll be uh, going live with the secret show. And I promise I'll click the right button this time so the show will actually start on time. Uh, not on time, but, you know, uh, you get the full thing. Um, anyway, thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you in the parks. 